when one gets up in the morning and you know on a cool morning and it's like oh let's go out running and go for a crisp beautiful run like in autumn leaves are falling down and we're just part of nature and everything it's um such a beautiful thing so focus if they can on the beautiful things that they see and and take away the focus from the things that aren't working take away the focus from the things that aren't there if they can because the now of what we're doing is wonderful welcome to the RMA podcast host Nicole Bunyan, founder of Running Mums Australia. Each episode I will be speaking to everyday women who have an inspiring story to tell. We will cover the highs and lows of their own journey, the impact motherhood has had on their life and how running has inspired them to live wilder, dream bigger and change the world around them. Thank you for joining us on this new adventure that will hopefully leave an imprint for you to live out your own life inspired to conquer goals Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the RMA podcast. Today I'm bringing to you a beautiful story from an amazing woman, Samantha O'Farrell. I met Samantha a few years ago when she came to some of our runs um, in our RMA local community and she was like a breath of fresh air. I still remember the vibrance and positivity that Sam showed. She had just this brightness about her this light and this exuberance of life. Sam was funny and vibrant and she was really active and outdoorsy. And there was just something special about her that I really loved. The thing I remember most about Sam is us joking about how she loved to do something that I had thought, never actually thought about in terms of being active. And that was that she loved, she was doing pole dancing for fitness. And I found that so incredibly amazing that someone would take themselves off and do pole dancing for fitness and as I got to know Sam a little bit better I found that that's just Sam it's her personality that she just squeezed everything she could out of life as Sam was training for Ultra Trail Australia not long after we'd met she was diagnosed with cancer she was diagnosed with a form of leukemia which is often found in children which is called acute lymphoblastic leukemia. This led Sam on a journey that no one would ever imagine. And far from her life where she was active and outdoors, Sam was confined for the last few years to mostly a hospital room having treatment. And when Sam thought that she might be coming to the end of this treatment and getting better, it was then that she found that the leukemia had in fact come back and that she was only given a few weeks to live. I asked Sam if she would be interested in being interviewed on the RMA podcast for a few reasons. One, I wanted to have a tribute to Sam's amazing life. 
she has been part of our community for a few years and as Sam mentions in this podcast, RMA was a huge part of her world. She loved the connection that the women brought into her life. I wanted it to be a testament to her life, but I also wanted to share with you just what life really is all about. And through this podcast, you'll hear how much life really is worth living, what things we really need to pay attention to, and what things we really need to worry about. That even the littlest things shouldn't matter, and that we should just go and chase the now and live in the moment. This podcast is raw. We only really decided to do this only 15 minutes before we recorded. And so I didn't have a lot of questions written down, but I knew what I wanted to ask Sam. I mean, what do you even ask somebody who's dying, who only has a few days to weeks to live? But what I wanted to know mostly from Sam was what life meant to her and what lessons could she pass on to us about living. I want to thank Sam for being so open and encouraging me with her words. As you can hear, this was a really hard podcast for me to record. And at the end, I did get quite emotional. Sam also had her friend Marcus in the room when we recorded this. And you will notice that Sam had had a very hard day and it was the start of her decline. And she was quite exhausted by the end of this podcast. But her words are so inspiring And she really left me feeling how privileged and lucky I was to spend these moments with her. And she actually left me questioning, what was it about my life that I really wanted to harness moving forward? Well, without further ado, I want to introduce you to Samantha O'Farrell. Before we begin, a message from this week's sponsor, Physiocram Massage Gel. Physiocram has been helping Running Mums Australia to achieve their running goals for years now and ease those post-training muscular aches and pains. Hurting sucks and Physiocram has our back. To get your own Physiocram, head to www.physiocram.com.au. Don't forget, if you're a member of the member program, you can get 20% off with your member code. You can also find Physiocram at your local pharmacy. Yeah, it's working. How are you doing? Are you in bed as well? I took myself, yeah, this is where I spoke to you last time. I took myself to the bedroom so no one would bother me. (laughs) Good idea. Are you in bed? Uh, Where are you? In bed. Yeah. (laughs) I took myself to bed because I'm not doing so well today. (laughs) Not a good day. Oh, are you sure you want to do this today? I think so. Um, I I don't think it's going to get better. No in pain today yeah it started up and um I think it's going to be the possibly you know it's going to move fast okay so it's gonna I think I had some golden days mm-hmm. and I think now it's going to move fast mm-hmm. oh well if you at any time want to stop or if this is too much for you say won't you I will totally when I spoke to you the other day, I actually thought, oh, I would love to talk to Sam about her feelings around all of this and her experiences and her life. And oh gosh, like we could write a massive 
novel. <laughs> um, but I didn't ask you because I was like, oh, that's kind of sacred in a way. Like to ask somebody who has limited time on earth to share how that feels. But then I got asked by a few people actually. Um, why don't you ask Sam if she'd be interested in being on the podcast because that story would help so many people. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And then I thought, well, I'll just ask you. And you can always say no. And, yeah, you were like jumped right in, of course. So I'm just so humbled that you said yes. So I'm lucky that I get to know you. And I think whatever we talk about today will impact someone else's life. And I think that's why we're here, right? We talked about that the other day. Yes, Um, yes others is nice yeah, yeah. So I, I am mindful how you're feeling though and um if there's any time you just need a minute to have a drink whatever just okay. you tell me I like that I like sometimes when the podcast is really organic anyway and I think our conversation always seems to flow easily anyway Sam <laughs> so <Yeah>. conversation <laughs> among friends right yeah so, true but, But what I wanted to share with um, people in RMA was, you know, the podcast is about our women and everyday women who have a story and everybody has one. And your story is really interesting because, um, you know, you weren't born in Australia, so that's interesting. Um, And then also how you found running and what, what you've learned through that experience. And then obviously through your journey with cancer and I thought we can dive a little bit into all those things, all those things today and learn a little bit more about you and your life experience and what you've learned throughout your life. So tell us a little bit about you and where you are from. This accent isn't obviously Australian. So where did you grow up? So I was born in Terrace, which is the northwest of British Columbia in Canada. Yeah. And it's where there's bears, lots of salmon. <laughs> we had a log cabin. My dad came over, my mom and dad came over from Cambridge and London in their early 20s. And my dad was a school teacher, my mom was a nurse, and they came over for the adventure. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because dad had the choice, Australia or Canada. And Canada just happened to be the first one that came up. Yeah. And he always thought that he would make it back here, yeah. which he did in the end. Yeah. yeah. So he snowshoes sometimes to work. Wow. I mean, I've never been to Canada. It was on my list to go there last year. Um, oh. COVID happened. <laughs> yeah, we were going to do oh. the New York Marathon for our 20-year wedding anniversary and then we we're going oh. to go to Canada because I just see the mountains and just what you're describing, like, with, like, the bears and just the wilderness of Canada is what I wanted to see. And um, yeah, no, didn't happen (laughs) yet. Yeah. yeah, So that's, that's really interesting. So what was it like when you came here? What was Australia like then for you? Well, it was funny because I left home at 17 and I actually, um, I had a year before I had a scholarship for university, but I had bought this book, um, how to work your way around the world when I was 15. And as soon as the day after finished high school, I went to the big city, Vancouver. I worked like three different jobs for five months and then went to so many places and worked in so many places. 
mm. that by the time that I moved to Australia 10 years ago, this was my last, my last thing to take off was Australia. Wow. Yeah. And wow. so when I arrived, I, I loved it. I was so excited to be here. My brother Andrew lives here in Manly. Mm-hmm. And my dad has a house here. He spent six months in Australia, six months in Canada. Mm. So we have family. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So you have obviously been someone who's traveled all around the world then. Yeah. Yeah. I worked um, on a kibbutz in Israel when I was 17. And I worked in the Canary Islands when I was 17 on a sailboat. And then I worked in Switzerland in a ski resort. And um, then I worked in Paris, studied at La Sorbonne and worked oh. there for a year. Wow. And then I worked in the south of France in Antibes for about seven years and did real estate there. And then I followed the Mayan route in Central and South America and Mexico. And I would buy and sell hammocks on the way to pay for everything. <sighs> and then how to scuba dive there too. And then I would buy, buy and sell emeralds. And then before that, it was hammocks. Oh my so gosh. <laughs> you're, like a dra- you're like a jack of all trades, Sam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was even a Zumba teacher. Oh my God. But do you know, in knowing you and like when I used to talk to you when we'd run, that's exactly you, is that you just found your way and found joy in doing many different things and in many different places. And yeah, you're so, um, the word I would pick when I first met you was vibrant and alive and just, I don't know, just this shining light, like happy and nothing seemed to, I don't know, you just, you didn't mind doing anything like you, you were even doing. And if I can say, yeah. pole dancing, pole dancing. <laughs> obviously not in the strip club, but you were doing pole dancing for fitness. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. I could love to try that because um, I'm so bad at my upper body strength. So you had this rocking body and um, yeah, I can see now that you've shared that, which I didn't know all that about you. Um, where you got all that vibrance from, from all those different experiences um, that you've had around the world. <laughs> incredible. So when did you start running? Oh, this is good. I, um, I really like that question because um, it was really neat. I was um, eight years old and my dad, I was one of four kids. Um, my baby brother was born afterwards with a different father, but primarily we we're four kids. And I was the second oldest and my dad would take me to the ice skating rink and we would, when it was like minus 30 degrees <laughs> and, we would, and we would race, we'd run around the ice skating rink inside and we would just do loops and loops and loops and loops. And I loved it because it was my chance to be with dad. Oh, wow. So you weren't running on the ice, you were running around oh. the edge. Um, the ice skating, yes, the ice skating yeah. had um, bleachers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we would run on the, the top of the bleachers wow. where people would normally walk when there was a gay, hockey game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it would be about the only place, I guess, that one could run at the time if <laughs> yeah, you didn't want to get frostbite. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. So that was yeah. the time you could spend with your dad and then still run and, yeah, and get 
some, I guess back then you were, you were a kid, so you were doing it for fun and enjoyment. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's the thing though, is that I've always run for fun. I never wore a watch. Yeah. I love and someone that. Said, yeah. And someone said to me, Oh, we were a group of girls running a uh, Maz and Olivia and Linda and, and someone said a new runner was asking us, oh, Sam, what, what running shoes do you like? And I said, and then someone answered for me. They said, oh, Sam doesn't care about running shoes. She doesn't even know what she's probably running in. Because <laughs> it's for me, it's not, it's a different, it's a joy. It's like, it's a thrill. I feel like just like when I'm getting on a bicycle, like a little kid again. And I'm so excited just to run. Gives me that feeling. I love this. <laughs> I just love this. I love your perspective. And it's so what I love about running too is that people get so caught up in all this, how long it takes or the pace or how fast or this PB or that. And I'm like, just run. Like just get out and run because you love it. Because yeah. if you don't, you'll just hate it. You'll end up hating it. Like we do it because we love it. And that's what fulfills us what was it other obviously you weren't caught up in all of those things um like a lot of people are what was it about running that you loved the most oh man the the time like like the precious time I just felt like before I started I remember before starting the 50k when I was like 22 and it was in the Provence in France and I just remember thinking to myself, I'm going to get to run for about five hours, five hours. And it's just like a dream, like a meditation or something for me. And it's the time, the time to be able to contemplate things in life and the time just to really dig deep. And it's time just for me, just to focus on what's happening around me. And it's just, just like a, I like I drop deep, you know, when I run, I drop deep and I just enjoy the process. And um, I just, it's like a lovely, lovely feeling. Mm, mm, I love that perspective. Where are some of the places that you've run that have made you feel that feeling? Oh, well, I love Marseille. I ran the, the marathon in Marseille and Marseille was really cool because, um, um, my, um, um, I had relatives and friends that they were there and the Marseille accent in France is like really cool. Mm -hmm. And so everyone that was cheering on and everything had that accent mm -hmm. and I just loved, um, hearing them. Um, I really, really loved Victoria marathon because, um, Victoria doesn't have any industrial area and Victoria is known for all of its flowers in Vancouver Island. And so it's all greenery, flowers, gardens, trees, ocean. It's just magical. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and no cars. Mm -hmm. So it's a beautiful. And then I trained for the New York when I was working on private yachts. The yachts would be in the Caribbean and then they'd be in New York. And we didn't have anyone come to stay with us in New York because our the, the owner of the yacht was a workaholic. And so... We would just be in New York for six months every year. So I joined up with the training and that was, oh, fantastic. Cause I was training in Central Park, you know, in my group with the time group and everything. So didn't have to think about a thing and just could run. <laughs> oh 
wow. <laughs> Did you get to do the marathon? No, a yacht left beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, the amount of training you've done, you probably covered it anyway. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing is that I don't care because mm. it's a journey. I mm. totally couldn't care less mm. about anything. <laughs> yeah. I've always been like that. I, yeah. I don't care. Like, yeah. it's not the end result. It's, it's, the, it's totally the journey for me. Mm. It's totally just... The, 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 just the fun, the joy of the now, really, the now, you know, yeah. Yeah. that's what it is. What are some of the lessons that the journey taught you? Or what are some of the things that that, well, all those different journeys, I'm sure there was many at different times, but what are some of the things that you learn about yourself on that journey and about others? I would have wonderful conversations wonderful in-depth conversations what i loved about that was that it was out of this world it was out of the world of the cocktail party of what do you do for a living mm. da, 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 you know what car yeah. do you drive <laughs> yeah. it was like it was like right away meeting a runner and and talking i had this old man older man when i was running in the south of france doing my 50 and i just remember it was just like we just talked about philosophy and mm. it was just really the French books and, and things that we loved. And mm. it's just sharing the time together as well. That's mm. what I love. It's, um, it's <laughs> learning about myself, just learning um, the, how much I love it. And, mm. and I, I think I never took it for granted. I really didn't. I, I loved it. Every time I went out, every time it was fun. I remember when we went running together, and um, <laughs> I ended up going in the creek. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's part of the fun. <laughs> that was fun, but nobody else came. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't remember. Did everyone else like dodge the creek? <laughs> I think everyone thought it was too cold. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, well, that's you living life to the fullest, like you always have, I'd say. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's a joy. It's a joy and the comrade, comradeship. And what I realized afterwards when I couldn't run anymore is that really how I've made all my friends has been basically been through running. Mm. And that, yeah. you know, the community that you've, you've created is just out of this world because because for me with having traveled and worked and lived in so many different places i was so used to running by myself in general and then to arrive in the shire and find out about the rma and start running with you all when i did the pete park run i just thought how wonderful this is how wonderful so when you did arrive in the Holy Land, <laughs> the Shire, <laughs> people are going to laugh at that, oh, but everyone thinks it. Um, <laughs> when you arrived in the Shire, yeah. um, where, can you tell me, like, actually, I've never really asked you, you mentioned Parkrun, but how did you find RMA? Was it through Parkrun? Oh, was it through that connection? Actually, actually it was through um, Damon. I went to, oh, wherever I've gone in the world, I just go to a running shop. Yeah, yeah. And then the running shop, they had Damon, who was doing this little thing on Saturdays. And yes. so I met Damon, and that's where I met Sonia. Ah. 
and then, and then we started training with Damon. Yeah. And then, and then we decided to do a park run. And then she knew these RMAs. Yeah. And then I was introduced to them. And I just thought, wow. Yeah. And the neatest run, I think another neat run was when um, um, you all were running a little faster with um, the girls. And um, Linda put together uh, girls who went don't that fast or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't quite that title, but it was something like that. And I thought, well, I, okay, I could do that. <laughs> uh, I think that was that the Lady Carrington run? Yes. 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 And oh, that was like heaven for me to yeah. meet so many fellow runners yeah. and run together. That was yeah. heaven. I was so excited about living in the Shire at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you had a community of people yes yeah yes yeah. yes Aww. yeah and also lady carrington is so incredibly beautiful yeah it is it's I love it. a beautiful place to run i mean we're very spoiled here in the shire people we've got um yes. lots of beautiful trails to run yes and i mean coming from a childhood where you were you know in canada surrounded by beautiful places to run I guess the Shire was maybe second best. <laughs> oh, Although... no. Oh, not at all. It's number one. Oh, number it's... one. Oh, yeah. It's number one, the Shire. It is God's country. <laughs> <laughs> it totally is. That's why it's the holy land. <laughs> it totally is. No, I, I, um, it's, um, oh, my gosh, the um, beautiful, beautiful Royal National Park with Badina. Is it Badina? Mm. Uh, the uh, um, the but, Bandina, Bandina. Bandina. Yeah. And I would be camped there in Bandina, which is only five minutes from our house. Yeah. <laughs> and then we would go, and then in the mornings I'd wake up early, and then I would run along the coast. Mm. Oh, and mm. then we go in the interior. There's so many different places to run. It's a huge park. I think it's like the second largest park in, I don't know, or oldest. Ah. It's the second largest oldest park, but that's disputed between another one in the United States. Oh, Should right. You? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, so, it's just so beautiful here. And I mean, you, you grew up being quite active and you also did, you weren't just a runner though. And that wasn't just what defined you, Sam. I mean, you were a very active person. I remember you doing running. I remember you cycling. Obviously you're doing your pole dancing. Like what, what was it about being active that, that you love like what was it about being active that gave you um purpose in your life movement has always been a big part of my life and for some reason it's hard to put it i trained for the swim around the island of key west which is about 20 kilometers mm -hmm. and i would train for that every day um so like swimming was just uh I don't know. What do you think, Marcus? I'm with Marcus here, and he's a triathlete coach. Hi, Marcus. Hi, hey, Marcus. Hello. And we used to pedicab together. Hello, this how are you? Hi, Hi, good. How are you? We pedicab together. We swam together. We ran together. And why do we do it? Well, Samantha's just an endurance machine. She just keeps putting one foot in front of the other with a yeah. smile on her face. And I don't know, the pain doesn't seem to hit her as hard as most normal humans. Mm. Um, you know, she's certainly 
I wouldn't call her a fast athlete. I would call her, a, you know, a fun athlete. She just has such a fun time. Mm. She doesn't have a competitive bone in her body. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A woman it. after my own heart. <laughs> yeah, you know, that sort of stuff. It's just getting out there and getting in the elements. And she just soaks everything up. She soaks everything up from the people she meets to the sunrise to the fresh air to the trees and the leaves and the dirt and the sweat and the blisters and she just soaks it all up. Yeah. 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 I love that. And that's no, so true. Kind of put it. Yeah. <laughs> she just loves all the elements, everything about it, the, the harshness of it and the beauty of it all means as much to her when she runs. And I can relate to that myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the most runners can. Most runners can. You know, you run for long enough. It gets under your skin a little bit. It gets in your blood a little bit. It's hard to shake. It's like, mm. yeah. Well, it's, the, it's really the, the, the essence of running, right? It's really the essence of why we do it is because of all those things you've just mentioned. Um, it's part of who we are as well. Like, and it makes us feel alive. And all those things combined make us feel alive. So let's talk about now, Sam, the hard stuff. Yes. Which is when your journey changed and when you were diagnosed with cancer. How long ago was that now and how did that come about? Oh, it's wild. It was about two and a half years ago. And I was still trying to train for the 50K in the Blue Mountains. Yeah. I was still going out there running. Oh, the trail? Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was still running and I was still, but I would stop and walk. And I didn't know why, but I would. I'd find myself walking, but then I would tell myself, okay, why am I walking? <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> mm. So you were it's feeling exhausted, like you were feeling tired? Yeah. Like I even had to, um, my car was across the street from the house. And in order to work, I had to drive my car. And just walking out to the sidewalk, I would sit down and I'd have to take a rest mm. just to get to the car. Wow. And did you yeah. leave it for a while before you went and got checked out? Like, were you kind of... No, I went to the doctor right away. Mm -hmm. And we thought it was depression. And one mistake I made was that the, the doctor said, I'm very literal, literal person. Mm -hmm. And so the doctor said to me, are you happy to have a blood test? And I said, no. <laughs> because I don't like blood tests. Who does? <laughs> Not many people. <laughs> So I didn't, so he didn't do it. Oh. So um, anyway, so that was not too smart on my part. Anyway, um, so we thought I was depressed. He put me on antidepressants. And I went to another doctor. She said I needed to read more Deepak Chopra mm -hmm. and change my attitude. She didn't know who I was. She didn't know how I was before. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I would imagine you had quite a good attitude most of the time. Like, or is there something that was that you were going through that people would have thought you were going through or that even maybe you were convinced that you were going through depression at the time? Not really. I was just fatigued. It mm. happened from almost one day to the next. Mm. I was just super, super fatigued. It was hard for me to even open the door, of, which is similar to depression. Mm. Um, opening the door to my car, just doing the, putting my pants on, tying my shoes. Those are all really, sometimes I just sit and look at my shoe for like half an hour or an hour and just not be able to tie my shoe. 
Mm. So it's like I couldn't, um, yeah, I couldn't do things, but, but, but not the doctors didn't know me or anything. So they didn't know if I was women my age, 52, or I was 50 back then. Mm. They can go through um, different things in menopause. Yeah. It's depression. And so we just didn't know. And I was very fit at the time. So when I actually, what happened was I ended up getting a blood test because um, I was reading and my mouth, from my mouth down went frozen and I got all this blood coming out of my nose and I had all these cold sores that just um, went all over my nose and all over my mouth. And then I um, went to the little hospital and I got a blood test and they said, um, we have concerns about your bloods. We want you to come down to the big hospital in Penrith in the Nepean Hospital. So I went down to the big hospital and there they, um, they, they, it was, it was April of two years ago and they, they, um, it was Easter weekend. So no one was in for those four days. And I thought that they were going to tell me to leave and they're going to say, why are you using tax speakers money? It's just a little problem with your buzz. What are you doing here? You know, after mm. the four days, I thought that, I, you know, gonna, I thought I was doing something wrong, but then they said, um, one man doctor said to me, you, do you know why you're here? They asked this question in the hospital. I said, yeah, because I have a little something wrong with my bloods. He says, we believe you have leukemia, but I didn't, and children's leukemia, where the end game is 50, and I was 50, but I didn't know exactly what it was, mm. and I was just kind of in shock, I guess. And so for the longest time, then they, right away, when the doctors came they, on the fourth day, they diagnosed me with the children's leukemia. They hooked me up on both sides with the, I called them Freddy, the, the things that go put the chemo in. Yeah. And that was basically a journey of five months straight. It was just two half days off to wow. be able to go outside. And Eck, Eck I think, is a run of the RMA, but I'm not sure. Eck Paul, do you yeah. know her? Uh, I don't think anyway. she's in RMA, but I know who she is. She's oh, actually a pr- vice principal of my yes. daughter's school. Yeah. Yes, yes, she is. Yeah. Mm. And she came all the way from the Shire, all the way to the hospital. And she took me out one night that I got to have my half day. She took me out to see you all doing your 50K. <gasps> Did she? Yeah. And we, we just parked. In the park, we just parked and we just watched all you runners at nighttime with the lights and everything. And I ate us, we ate sandwiches in the car and we just watched all of you. Oh, I never yeah. knew that. That's no, beautiful. I know. Beautiful friend. Yeah, it was, oh, she was a beautiful, beautiful friend. And then, and then like six months, well, four months later, she picked, she picked me up. And I mean, she has two kids and full time job and everything. and amazing and she came all the way from the shire again and then she took me out to the um she took me out to the nice nepean river and we sat down and there was ducks and birds and it was just beautiful and that was like heaven for me because i hadn't been out of the hospital for so many months and yeah so i've been very fortunate so what was it like for you to be like, obviously, you were living a life where you were fit, you were active, you know, 
you were in um, living in the Blue Mountains at that point. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden you're diagnosed with cancer and of that children's leukemia, which is something that you wouldn't expect to be diagnosed with at 50. Um, was this something that you may have had for a long time and you didn't know, or is this something that just came on? Do you think? Um, I think it's just something that came on, but in a way I feel like I got lucky in a way I feel like it's children's cancer. So I feel like I beat the odds. I feel like maybe with having a good diet and not drinking, not smoking, maybe I beat the odds all this time. And it just came at the very end, just squeaked in and on there, you know, mm. because I'm lucky that I, I didn't meet many people. I only met one other person that had ALL. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think I just was really, really lucky in a way. And then the year and a half, well, we, then we went up to Brisbane with dad and well, dad, I called him to be my full-time care from Canada because we didn't have any, um, anyone that mm. yeah, everyone works, you know, in yeah. Sydney. And so we flew up to Brisbane. We flew up to um, dad's place mm. and we ended up being put back down into Brisbane. And the neat thing about Brisbane was that um, um, was, there was a leukemia foundation apartment given to us which is amazing. They're a nonprofit, non-government funded. And there's five leukemia villages there. And they put us up for more than a year in an apartment so that I could get all my treatment. That's amazing. I'd like to know, like, how did you mentally, because um, you're such a positive person, even now, you really are. Um, we've had conversations other than today that you just exude positivity even amidst your situation right now but how did you feel initially when you were diagnosed like I'm sure there was shock and grief and denial all the stages, all the stages. you have a daughter like you have a young daughter who's yeah 17 you know how did you cope with all of that at the time I didn't I didn't I went to denial totally denial I believed I believed this is really wild I believe that, especially in the middle of the night when I was having to take the two poles on either side of me to the bathroom and go to the bathroom in the middle of the night with two poles, it's really hard. Mm -hmm. And then I would look up in the sky at the ceiling and I would just say, please come back down. Like I believed that somehow I volunteered to help someone mm -hmm. and that I took their place, mm -hmm. but it wasn't my life. Mm -hmm. And I believed that they were going to come back like in a play, you know? Yeah. And so for the longest time I was in denial. Mm. And I, um, and then I believed I was on a cruise ship <laughs> and cause I had like a big window in front of my bed mm. and there was all these mountains. It's so beautiful in the Pian Valley, you know? Yeah. And so I would pretend to myself, well, I kind of pretend, kind of believed that I was on a cruise ship and that the, um, the, the, they were stewardesses instead of um, nurses. Mm. <laughs> and I enjoyed the companionship of the nurses. I had so much fun with the. It was funny because before I was so afraid of needles. I would freak out. I'd have so much pain. I'd scream and everything with the needles. And then, and then we figured out if I had a little story, I'd be okay. And so this one lady who was from the Philippines, she was so cool. Um, 
we would um she'd she'd be taking the blood and she would say to me, Now, Samantha, I am we are in Hawaii <laughs> and I'm dressed up in a little luau, you know, a little grass skirt and a little coconut top. And you're just dressed as however, because I'm the one that's in the show. And she say, and Brad Pitt is my um, partner. And we're having this incredible dance on the, in Hawaii. And then we, I run into the water and then he runs after me and he saves me. And then he brings me up over the water in his arms. And so she gave me these incredible stories. And even when she wasn't there in the morning to take my blood, she would tell the other ones to make up stories for me too. Mm -hmm. So this other nurse that came in was originally from India, and she told me all about her Indian wedding. Yeah. So I met, I had actually kind of a, if one could have a fun time in hospital, Mm -hmm. I I was like on a cruise having a fun time. Mm -hmm. Really. I was in denial. But um, I was enjoying myself, yeah. and I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it was hard, but you guys really made a big difference in my life, the RMAs, because mm. I had so many visits from the RMA community. I was telling Marcus that um, I had so many visitors from the RMA that, like, I didn't know everyone, but people would come on a daily basis, and it was lovely. And then one day, this I did a shout out that I needed a doodoon because it was cold in the hospital so i needed a doodoon and i needed um a blanket and this lady just said okay so where are you saying okay this is what you need okay i'm coming to bring it to you and so i said oh that's fantastic and so she comes all the way from palm beach what palm beach three hours driving from palm beach picks up very expensive you know cover blanket doodoon everything and then she comes by and we're talking and I'm like, I don't know who this person is and I don't know who she is. And so I just thought, Oh, so how's the running going? <laughs> and she's like, Oh, I don't run. Look at me. I don't run. <laughs> <laughs> so, who was she? <laughs> so I was like, Oh my God, I don't even know who this woman is. And after we talked for a little while, I knew she was a lawyer. Um, but I still didn't know who she was. So then she looks at me and says, you don't know who I am, do you, Sam? <laughs> and I said, no, I'm so sorry, I don't. And she says, well, you helped me five years ago in Manly when I was moving. You helped me with my washer and dryer. Oh. And I didn't, hadn't remembered, but yeah. I did. Wow. Yeah. So she, it was amazing. Oh. So people came every day and having visitors in the hospital is really wonderful. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was in the beginning. Yeah. I thought I didn't want visitors, but yeah. I know now it's restorative and lovely, and mm-hmm. it's um so positive and and supporting, mm-hmm. and that's what you all did, the armies. You really did, and the flowers and everything. You know, Nicole, everything that you did. One day, um, Olivia and um, Maz and I. Yeah. Oh, hi. Are you the doctor? That's okay. Oh, thank you. I'm just on doing a podcast. Yeah. Is that okay? Do you need yeah. to take a break? No, it's all good? Okay. Yeah, thank you so much for introducing yourself. Pardon me? Yeah, I am so comfortable. Thank you so much. Thank you. Do you need yeah. to take a break?
Do you need to take a break or something? I'm okay. I'm okay. They they just come by um to introduce themselves because they do a turnover mm-hmm. because this place is amazing. Mm-hmm. They have so many people helping and volunteers and personal care workers and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to um, tell people just where you are right now? Oh yeah, I'm at the um, Katie Rose Cottage Hospice. It's in Dunan, mm-hmm. Queensland. And it's the most beautiful, progressive place, I think, in the world. And I'm so lucky to be here because it only has three bedrooms. And I have my own little bedroom in front of the pool. I don't know if you can see this. But there's, do you see the pool? Yeah, beautiful. So I have, like, beautiful rainforest, pool, um, this room, my little enclave in the morning. I wake up really early. I put my music on and I dance because I can still dance. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh. So, Sam, when you were, you know, transferred up to Queensland to the hospital, you spent, you've spent the part, like most part of the last few years in hospital having treatment and if not in hospital, still having treatment. Um, what, how did you find, well, what, what sort of perspective did you have to find or was it always still there anyway because of the person that you are to be able to keep going through all of that when you didn't know whether this cancer was going to go away or not? Like how did you find, I guess, joy through these hard times? Well, that's a really good question, actually. What really helped me was, again, the the Filipino um, lady that gave me, that took my blood every day. Um, they, they, something happened with them. They gave me too many fluids for, um, when I was getting chemo. And so my heart went into a failure thing and I had to go down to cardiology and I was very scared of this cardiology and very scared of the environment because it was very different from, mm-hmm. from the, um, hematology ward where hematology ward, they're incredibly nice and gentle and have time and speak softly cardiology was more like okay we want to save all these people that are dying so we have to act fast it's a different different care system Mm. so i was put into cardiology and i was kind of freaking out like where am i what am i doing here what's going on with my heart and all this stuff and will i be able to run (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) and and uh um and then the filipino nurse she came down and she found me and she said to me she, she said to me something, I can't remember what she said, but she wrote down, she says, I'm just going to write down this word and you are going to focus on this one word. And what she wrote down on the piece of paper was gratitude. Mm. Yeah. Great word, right? <laughs> yeah. And she said to me, Sam, you could be in a third world hospital in the Philippines where they're neck to neck in patients and you don't even have maybe a bed or you have a bed in the hallway and you, you don't have this kind of care. You don't have this kind of, you don't get blood. You don't have all of this things that you have in the first world. And she said, you're in a first world hospital. You're, you know, you're being taken care of by the best doctors. You know, you have everything to be grateful for. And you need to start looking at that. And so from that day forward, and Sonia, the Running Moms of Australia girl, um, Sonia, she um, brought me a gratitude book. And then someone else bought me a gratitude book. 
And then someone else bought me a gratitude, a gratitude book. And I started writing in the gratitude book every day. And that's what, that's what did it. And there's so many things to be grateful for. And there's always someone else that's doing worse. And always someone else doing better. That's just life. Mm. But when you, th I mean, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. But, you know, like only a few weeks ago, you were told like there was really nothing else they can do for you and this, that you're dying now and this is it, right? This is the end yeah. for you. How do you stay in those moments of gratitude? Like how do you keep yourself in that when you know that your time on earth is short? Is there a way that you're getting through that? in that those yeah. moments of gratitude what do you look at yeah well i've been reading um the power of now and so that's really really um treasuring every every moment that we have while we have it and i feel grateful that i actually know i see people coming in here that leave the next day and they never got to do all of the goodbyes that I'm doing they never got to do all those connections they never got to write letters or send cards or you know have calls or anything they just came in one day and they leave the next mm -hmm. so I feel really grateful that I'm given this time and I had my cry like about two and a half months ago when I knew that something on my eye the doctors, both doctors thought it was us die, but it wasn't. And I knew it wasn't, but they believed that hot compresses would fix it. But I knew it. So when I finally saw an ophthalmologist and he looked at it really carefully, and then he um, became very serious and he called up the eye surgeon like late at late. We were like the last patient. And when I did that, when he did that and he changed his face, I knew that it was cancer. I knew, although without knowing, I knew. Mm -hmm. And I went into the car and I cried. And I did do the why me. I did. And I cried and I just, and then once I did that, it's like, I didn't know yet. It, it, it's, it's a process. And so I've gone through, I think that cry in the car was, I don't think, I haven't actually had time to look at what the things are about grief and all that or whatever but um it's definitely a process but the great thing is is that there's so many things to be grateful for still i still do my gratitude books mm -hmm. and i just focus on the now and i never had any expectations of any kind mm -hmm. and i think expectations is another one if one doesn't have any expectations of how late one one's going to live or how this kind of thing yeah. it's like well this is what i this is what i'm getting celebrate yeah so what kind of things do you want to do like in the now well and what have you been doing oh my gosh i've been going girls have been flying in from sydney and i've been doing beautiful long like french lunches for like four hours a time which i love mm. on the ocean i've been swimming almost every day in the ocean um loving it oh my gosh even I'm um, walking in the national park, walking, running kind of thing. Yeah. And um, what else I, do? I haven't got on the bike yet. I don't know if they'll let me on the bike because I could fall. And, yeah. Yeah. I'm not quite sure, but that's okay. I kind of said goodbye to my bike. I kind of didn't. 
I didn't do the, quite the right closure, but I'll kiss you goodbye. And it's always, I'm giving it to Sonia. Oh, so, beautiful. yeah, so she'll write it. Mm. So it's continued traveling. And I've been going through my stuff because I, um, the, my girlfriend in Maluluba, um, my, my roommate, she actually, um, um, she, she ended up going to Uluru and then she went to Melbourne. And then, um, and then she couldn't, we couldn't go to the apartment because she had to isolate for two weeks. Mm. So I've been um, not being able to go back. So now I have all of my stuff. I've been slowly going through it and, give, and sorting it all out. Mm. So I've been doing that. And I've been talking to everyone in North America mm. and Australia, but like a lot in North America where I have so many friends and family and Europe and England. And yeah. yeah, so I've been connecting with so many people that I love and that's been wonderful. Yeah. That's and so I want to go horseback riding. They have horse equine therapy. Yes. And yes. And I'm going to have that scheduled for the 25th, the next Friday. And really wherever I'm at, I'm enjoying myself. Mm. Yeah. Really. Yeah. They have beautiful little red bridges here. And yeah. like Japanese bridges, you saw? Yes, you showed me pictures. I didn't show you? Yeah. 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 So it's just lovely even just to walk out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think like, I know you're saying you're living in the now, but do you think, is there anything that you wish you had done that you haven't done? Or do you think you've ticked most of the boxes? I mean, you've ticked a lot of boxes, I'd say, Sam. <laughs> yeah. There's always other things that I want. I was, I studied Russian and I would have loved to have um, gone to Russia. Mm. Um, that was one of my things. India. I didn't go to India. So that would be one of the other things. Uh, Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to Melbourne. Oh, wow. I know. Never been to Melbourne. Wow. So that would, that would be another thing. Yeah. Yeah. But besides that, those are places to go. And then I, will always, I really want to spend another summer in Salt Spring with my sister, Georgina, in Canada, and with my mom in um, Kamloops. I really wanted to spend, and with my brother, Peter, in Vancouver. I really wanted to see them, really wanted to see them. And yeah. It's yeah. really hard, I guess, with COVID too, that they can't be here. No, they can't be here, and I can't be there. Mm-hmm. So, but we, well, isn't it wonderful with a digital that we can have these talks and FaceTime and do all of this every day. Yeah. Or a phone call would cost a fortune to do. Exactly. And I mean, we get to see each other. It's not, it's not the same as a human touch, but it's this, you know, it's the <laughs> next best thing that we get to see each other and yeah. feel like we're together, even though we're miles apart. Yeah. It's it, yeah. Is it really is. What, yeah. um, when you look back on your life, what are some of the achievements that you've made that you were most proud of or that you find are like highlights in your life. And I'm not talking academics. I'm not even talking sporting. I'm just talking about things that you find are highlights in your life. If you could pick a few moments of joy. Highlights in my life. (laughs) Swimming around Key West was pretty a big highlight. Mm. That was a big highlight. That was something else. Yeah. 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 Coming and doing the surface paradise. Oh, surface. Yeah, the surface. Um, Marcus convinced me to do the surface um, triathlon in 1999. 
the triathlon and we used to do we used to ride rider rider pedicabs until like six in the morning or something mm-hmm. and then we'd go running and then we'd even go swimming in the moat so we would do all three every day and convince and marcus convinced me and then he did you get me a bicycle i had a bicycle yeah you bought a bike for about a hundred bucks i had a hundred dollar bike <laughs> <laughs> Hey, and whatever that, gets you going, it doesn't matter. <laughs> was that your, your first real triathlon? Yeah, it was my first real triathlon. It was. was. Two, two kilometer swim. Two kilometer swim. Sixty kilometer bike. Sixty k bike, right? And a fifteen k run. Fifteen k run. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Highlight. Yeah. And what about like being a mom? Like, what kind of things did you learn about yourself being a mom? Oh, I learned that everything that could be taught to me would be by Savannah. Mm. Savannah teaches me everything about myself. Yeah. And how's Savannah coping with all of this? Uh, It's hard to say. It's tough for her. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough for her. Yeah. It is a really tough thing. Like, you know, and to, to, at that age too, to, to not really know what's going to happen and, and I guess protecting her feelings, protecting your feelings. There's so many different um, layers to teenagers and the emotions that we feel as as a parent as well. Yeah. And she's a very private person. Yeah. 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 It's a hard one, but we're not going to talk about that. Okay. I want to finish up the podcast, but before I finish up, I always ask, five quick questions at the end of the podcast and I call it the RMA hot lap. So I always do these five questions at the end just to wrap it up. And they're just random questions that I've picked. And I just thought these ones would be fitting for you. Um, So my first one for you is what is your favorite running moment that you can think of? And it doesn't have to be a race. It can be anything anywhere in your whole life. What was your favorite running moment? I think really it was when I was eight years old and I was running with my dad. Love that. And that's where it was all kicked off. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of set you on your journey, I guess. Do you prefer to be a solo runner or run with others? I love everything. (laughs) I knew you'd say that. (laughs) I I truly do. Yeah. Yeah. Both give us something, don't they? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What's, what is the most beautiful place that you've run in? Um, God's country. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Royal National Park, Mm. Blue Mountains. Yes. South of France. Oh, hang on now. I gave you one. Slow <laughs> 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 <Lord> down. <Adam. laughs> I've had so many experiences. I mean, the south of France, I can imagine that would be a nice place to run. Gee, gorgeous. Um, what is the purest thing that running gave to you? Oh, running gave me breathing. Mm. I think when I run... Um, it gives me um, a beautiful, steady breath in and breath out. That's just like living. 
Oh, that's so beautiful, Sam. No one's ever said that before to me. Why are you making me cry? <laughs> oh, I love that. That's just gorgeous. I'm going to remember that now. Oh, I'm getting emotional. I never thought of it like that. Stop it. <laughs> You're meant to make me cry. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay. All right, the last one. What would be your number one advice to others about what to cherish about life? Oh, you know, all the cliches come to mind. It's just like um, when they say, you know, when, when one has a baby, and um, someone will come up to one and they'll say, oh, this is going to change your life. And it goes by so quickly. Take advantage and just love every minute. And it's hard to actually, for me, it's really hard to actually know that until I've lived it myself. Mm. So there's nothing that I could actually say, really, because I could say life is an adventure, life is fun, life is beautiful, life is a joy, and treasure it. And when one gets up in the morning and you know, on a cool morning and it's like, oh, let's go out running and go for a crisp, beautiful run like in autumn or leaves are falling down and we're just part of nature and everything. It's um, such a beautiful thing. So focus, if they can, on the beautiful things that they see and, and take away the focus from the things that aren't working. Take away the focus from the things that aren't there if they can, because the now of what we're doing is wonderful. Mm, so true. Well, thank you so much, Sam, for sharing with us. Thank you for opening up your sacred world right now and also your heart. And I thank you for your friendship. Um, and I thank you for being just the most beautiful person that you are. I just... I know that listening to your story is going to help lots of women, no matter where they are in their journey of life. Um, it certainly helped me put perspective on what's important and how I should be living. <laughs> and um, now I'm getting emotional. <laughs> and yeah, to really just focus on living <laughs> and in the now. So thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure, Nicole. And it's been an honor to meet you and spend time with you and mm -hmm. to run with you. It's really been an honor. You have a beautiful family, a beautiful heart, and you've created something really to be proud of, really. Thank you. Wow, what an amazing story that was with Sam. I hope you got a lot out of that podcast and I guess have a think about what is it about living that you want to embrace the most. On the next episode of the RMA podcast, I speak to one of our own RMA ambassador, Amy O'Halloran, and I also speak to my mum, Judy Schulstad, about what it was like to have a premature baby. This next episode of the podcast will be prefacing an episode with Sophie Smith around 
running with premature babies. So the next episode of the podcast will be a double episode. So we will be doing it over two parts. I look forward to bringing the stories to you about these amazing women and their experience having babies who are premature, but most importantly, um, about the work that Running for Premature Babies does in our community and for families who have babies born early. So I look forward to bringing those episodes to you. Thank you everyone for once again listening and supporting the RMA podcast. I love bringing these stories to you. If you know somebody who has a story, an inspiring story or any story to share that you think needs to be out there with the RMA community, please email me at runningmumsaustralia at gmail.com and I look forward to sharing more of these stories with you. For now, I hope you are safe and well wherever you are.